Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved, cast out demons, and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. You may also donate by sending check or money order to 9030 West Sahara Avenue, Suite 665, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89117. We thank you. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. Because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon. And transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite. You are listening to Omega Man Radio Network. With Shannon Davis. to you, my friend. Good evening to you, Shannon. Everybody, that time has arrived. Welcome Thursday, October 12, 2023. We're glad to be back with Pastor John Terrell. He's coming to you live from his office in Sacramento, California. And uh, website eaec.org. Brother John, would you like to open us in prayer? I'd be very happy to. My Holy Father, again, I want to thank you for the opportunity here to be with Omega Man Radio. And Father God, last week, we were talking about guidance, and we had not the foggiest idea that the next two days later, a war would break out in Israel. So Father God, this week... The world has been more or less torn upside down, as all eyes is upon the Middle East. And I pray, Father God, that I'll be able today to share some truth 
from the Bible that would explain what is happening. So the Father God people will simply understand the prophetic timeline and what's going to happen and what is not going to happen. And I thank you for this now. In Jesus' name, amen. I had the uh, old intention to continue my uh, teaching here on tuning God, turn off Satan. But I uh, feel, <clears throat> I felt led here, to, I had spoken um, Sunday in our church, and uh, I want to bring out a couple of, a uh, number of points about Israel, the world, the Antichrist, and the end times, what is going to happen. And the first thing that I want to establish is this, that God selected the city of Jerusalem already was selected at the time of Abraham. The city of that time was known as Salem. And uh, I want to bring it here, take it to Genesis chapter 14. And this is from verse number 18. So Genesis 14 is a um, description of the war. Uh, this is a war that broke out uh, in, in between the king of Sodom and uh, some other kings that were simply decided that they, these were city kings. It was not... Ma they did not have a massive amount of, of territory. And as always, uh, greed simply, the, the reason for war is that people, a king or a leadership, want to have more territory, they want to have more people, they want to have more money, so they go to war. So that is not the, the issue here, what I want to discuss. But that's a background to this. So Abraham, uh, got involved because uh, Lot uh, had been taken captive and Abraham had a small little army of uh, 318 men uh, that were trained. So, um, by the way, when Abraham and Sarah left Haran to go to the promised land, it was not Abraham and Sarah and a couple of goats. It, they had an entourage of about a thousand people because Abraham was very rich. He had uh, slaves. He had servants. Uh, he had uh, a small army. And, uh, of course, he had uh, lots of livestock and so on, camels and horses and so on. So Abraham had, it was simply, all of them came in with Abraham. They, that was his entourage. Now we read here in verse number 17. So Abraham took his uh, soldiers, 318, and was able to uh, rescue Lot, uh, defeat the king that had started the war. And he was bringing back all the people and all the goods and everything else what he had stolen. And um, we read for verse number 16. And he brought back all the goods and also broke again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. 
And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Shedda Laomer, and our kings were with him at the valley of Shavah, which is King's Dale. Now, here's the key in verse number 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham and the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, but was delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him tithe of all. This is the first mention of Jerusalem. And they added Jeru because Salem, we have that name in there because the Jebusite was the one that built first, that developed the city further down at the time when it came into the promised land. So what I want to establish here is this, that of all the places in the world, it was God selected Jerusalem as a focal point of what he wanted to do with the human race. It was in Jerusalem that Jesus was tried. He was executed outside Jerusalem. And he will come back to Jerusalem in the future. The next thing I want to bring up here is from Genesis chapter 22. We have established here now that we have Melchizedek, which is talked about in the book of Hebrews. He was the most high priest of God. So by the time Abraham lived, God had already established his presence in Jerusalem. Now, in Genesis chapter 22, now this is a few years later, I would say this is probably about 20 years later, maybe 25 years after um, Abraham had met Melchizedek. And this is the time when God had told uh, Abraham to uh, sacrifice his own son. Now, Abraham traveled in the land of Israel, and he's also known as Palestine, and he's also known as the Promised Land. So he traveled from Galilee in the north, down south, into the desert. He was all over the place. But there was a time when God told him, and I'm going to read it to you here. This is from Genesis chapter 22. And it came to pass, after they think that God did tempt Abraham, actually you should say that he, he was testing him, and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, I'm here, here I am. And he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, get into the land of Moriah, and offer him. Therefore, a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you of. The land now around Salem 
was also known as Moriah, the land of Moriah. And so in this chapter, you find that Abraham didn't tell Sarah what he's going to do. He did got up early in the morning, took a couple of servants with him, and uh, he had with him uh, Isaac, and uh, then he had some fire, uh, because in those days they didn't have matches, so they had uh, a, a, some kind of a container uh, where they had charcoal that was burning. So that's that's how they had the fire in those days. So he was not walking. We do not know where he was in the land of Israel at this time or uh, the promised land. But he was led to go to Moriah. And later we know through archaeology and other, uh, what do you call it, references, that Moriah was located where later the temple that Solomon built uh, was in that very close to that vicinity. So it is very interesting here now that we have Salem in the beginning. Now we have Abraham going to the place of the mountain of Moriah. And so actually... The event, now he didn't sacrifice Isaac because God stopped him. And uh, he said he, God sent a ram, he offered that. But that first sacrifice was in Jerusalem. And so that indicated that eventually this was the temple that could have built there. Now, we go forward in time now to the time of Jesus. And if we now look in Matthew chapter 27, that's Matthew chapter 27. And then we're going to pick it up here in verses 1 and 2. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders all the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. So here now, again, we have Jerusalem. And Jesus was not tried in Jerusalem. And Pilate sent him to be crucified. But the crucifixion was outside on Golgotha. And again, we find here that we had Abraham came in to sacrifice his son Isaac. And God said no. And now Jesus came here to Jerusalem. Because if you read the gospel, it said that Jesus said he was up in Galilee most of the time. He said, I have to go to Jerusalem to fulfill all prophecies. So Jerusalem is a very central point. That is a city, that the place that God has prepared. It is also the city that Jesus will return to when he comes back a second time. Now I want to take it to Revelation chapter 11. 
And uh, again, we're going to look upon Jerusalem. So we're going to go to Revelation and uh, chapter 11. And the reason I'm taking time here is I want to show you that Jerusalem and the land of Israel is a flash point. It's, it's a for between God and Satan. You got to remember now, everything God selects, Satan will simply said, I want that too. Because among the people, among the Israel, there are two messianic lines. We have the messianic line that goes from Abraham all the way up to Jesus. And then we have another messianic line which is the line of the Antichrist. And the difference between these two lines is that in Judaism, for the matter of fact, at the time of Jesus, the teaching was that the Messiah was going to be a man anointed by God. While Isaiah and the other prophets, they were talking about God himself coming down. And so the biblical Messiah is God incarnated in the human body. It is actually Jesus who is God himself being the Messiah. The Antichrist system will have a man that is Jewish. They will claim he's a Messiah. He will have supernatural powers, as we have in the book of Revelation talks about that. But he's going to be a man, and he's going to be possessed by the devil. So we got these two lines coming down which means that Jerusalem is a flashpoint. This is where the battle is going to be. This is where the fight is going to be. And it has been over Jerusalem for thousands of years. So now I want to take it to Revelation chapter 11. And um, I'm going to read to get continuity from verse number 1. And it was given a reed like unto a rod, and the angels stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, and the altar of them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out the measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread on the foot forty and two months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, closed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of this earth. 
And if any man hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devour their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. When the Antichrist comes on the scene, his forces will, that they will have to do the whole world into world federation. His capital will be Jerusalem. And how do we know that? Because in verse number 8, we read this. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So these two witnesses will be there for three and a half years. And this is going to be very interesting because we do know that the Antichrist is going to rule the whole world. But he's going to have a thorn in his side. He's going to have two men that are going to be prophets. They call their, the olive trees. But they're going to stand in Jerusalem in front of the palace of the Antichrist. And they're going to prophesy. And matter of fact, they're going to have, look what they're going to do. If any man will hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devour their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. They have, these have power to shut heaven. That he reign not in the days of the prophecy of power over waters to turn them to blood, to smite the earth with plagues as often as they will. So these two men, they, the Antichrist is going to be very upset. I mean, it's going to be a thorn in his flesh that in the middle of his capital, Jerusalem, Right in front of his palace, here stand these two men. He can't kill them, he can't touch them, and they are irritated him for three and a half years. So, it's a spiritual battle now, it's in Jerusalem. Verse number seven. And once they shall have finished the testimony, the beasts that are sent out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. So after three and a half years, they will be killed. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city which spirit called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now here's the interesting thing. And they are the people and kindred and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them, make merry, and shall send gifts one another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. This was written now given about 90 AD. People did not even want electricity. How can the whole world say this? Well, we got global television today. So this will be global television. And just like we see for the war in Israel right now, 
we see dead bodies, we see the destruction and so on, and it's bringing to every nation in the world, everyone in the whole world, every continent are seeing these images from Israel. After three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered them. They stood up upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them when they saw them. They would be resurrected. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying to them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. <coughs> so, that's going to take place during the time of the reign of the Antichrist. So now, the next scripture that I want to go to is Revelation chapter 13. And uh, this is uh, the description here of um, the reign of the Antichrist. And in verse number 2 it says, and the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet was the feet of a bear, his mouth the mouth of a lion. And the dragon, as the devil, gave him power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his head as was wounded to death, his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wandered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power to the beast. They worshipped the beast saying who is like unto the beast. In other words, they worship Satan, and they worship this man, the Antichrist. There was given unto him, and mouth speaking great things, and blasphemies, and power was given to him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth, and blasphemed against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and one them that dwelled in heaven. It was given unto him to make war with the saints, to overcome them, power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain for the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. So now I have established here today that Jerusalem is going to be the flashpoint during the time of the reign of the Antichrist. So, now, let me introduce to you the world government. There is an existing world government that have actually, you can they call themselves a world government. They have existed since the time of King Solomon, but they have not had really any power. Uh, they have had very limited power. And the first time when the world government really was able to, to begin to control situations was in 1776. That was a year that Adam Weishaupt started 
an organization called the Illuminati. And a lot of things have been talked about the Illuminati. The Illuminati was uh, organized as an organization to rule politically in secrecy. There's a lot of concepts here. I try to be very slow to introduce just a few concepts you can hang with me. Freemasonry were actually like a trade unions in England uh, back at that time. They would go back to maybe 1500, 1600. And just like we have uh, trade unions today, you got the AFL-CIO, you got the uh, union of the auto workers, you got the Teamsters and so on. So Freemasonry was organized as, as a trade unions. Um, they had been brought over to the United States uh, prior to uh, the independence, and uh, George Washington was a member in a lodge uh, here. It was, a free, it was a Masonic lodge. And these lodges were not what the lodges are today. They, they were basically uh, an organization you met there and uh, discussed politics and so on, and you, you had friends and, uh, in, in politics and civic things, and you simply, if you wanted to be somebody, you joined the Masons. And uh, from there, you could rise up politically or whatever, or you could be in business. The Illuminati then infiltrated the um, Masonic lodges, first in England, and then they came here to the United States. Um, George Washington resigned from, from his lodge, and he wrote a letter, and, and it was circulated. Uh, this was after he had uh, served as president, and he warned and said, the Illuminati has come in here and they have turned the, the Masonic lodges to a satanic lodges. They are, they are evil and they should be disbanded. In the um, 19th century, there was an anti-Masonic political party in the United States and they simply were... Their, their first item was to shut down all Masonic temples or temple lodges. And they flourished for about 30 years or so, and then they were wiped out. Now, the Freemasons now, that's been infiltrated by the Illuminati, they now begin to move into powerful positions in governments. And uh, so they were in banking, they were in politics, they were in the industry, and of course they infiltrated the government. So, now, the fledging world government from Europe, 
Matter of fact, Adam Weishaupt, he was from Germany. They now, by the time we got into the 1800s and early 1900s, these lodges were used by the world government to simply rule the different governments and to control them. So in politics now, wars were started, treaties were signed, and so on. So you had England, Germany, the United States, uh, other nations, and suddenly the nations were no longer ruling themselves. They ruled themselves to a degree, but when it comes to foreign policy, when it came to wars, they were controlled by the people from the Masonic lodges that simply was doing the bidding of the world government that now had established itself as a power base. For example, the uh, revolution in Russia, that took pl- first first revolution took place in 1905, and then they were able to finish it in 1917. Uh, that was a joint operation financed by banks in New York, banks in England, banks in Germany, and Lenin and Stalin had lived in Switzerland for about 14 years. And in Switzerland was where they built up their system, and then they were brought into Russia via Germany that at that time was at war with Russia. And that's a totally different story. But So then we had World War II. We had a number of different wars. So here's what I want you to wrap your mind about now. Every war that has been taking place since 1800 has had one purpose, to set the stage for the Antichrist forces to set up their world federation in Israel. And Jerusalem is going to be their capital. This is where they're going to operate out of. So now, we're coming down to the war that is happening right now. So what are the forces? What is happening? My personal understanding this, this is my personal understanding. The world government has been working on this since 1776. So, Let's say there's about 300 years. 
and they're getting impatient. They simply want to establish the Antichrist right now. The time is right because in Revelation chapter 13 we are told that the world is going to be controlled through finances. And let me read to you now from Revelation chapter 13. And this is now the false prophet. So we have the Antichrist and the false prophet. And the false prophet is the one that is running it. And he's running the financial institutions. And it says here in verse number 16. Revelation 13, 16. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had a mark of the name on the beast of the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him that has an understanding count the number of the beast, which is the number of a man. His number is six hundred, three score, and six. So, the control of the world, there's going to be some military operations to establish the World Federation. But the way they're going to control the population is through finances. So, they will have a mark, which I think is, is going to be a type of a microchip. Uh, just like you have on a credit card, you have a microchip there now that would have all the information so that if you do a transaction, you just, that you scan your hand or they scan your forehead. And already this, this is taking place in places where people have simply started to do that voluntarily because it's very convenient. Uh, if they, uh, particularly in Sweden, they are doing a lot of scanning on people that have a chip in their hand and they say it's very convenient I don't have a wallet I don't need to bring anyone with me I just let my hand up scan it and I'm done I've done what I need to do so going back now to this we are now in a place where every bank in the world are hooked together electronically for example, you've been listening to that there was $6 billion, I believe, that uh, was $60 billion, I don't know how much, the sum there, that the Iranians had been frozen assets, and of all the places, they were frozen in a bank in South Korea. Now, Joe Biden wanted to trade some people, they were Iranian-Americans, they had been held hostage, so... He negotiated and said, well, we got about $60 billion here, and uh, uh, we've released them to you, but we want our people back. The money didn't go to an Iranian bank because they are under sanctions. It went to a bank in Qatar, which is one of the smaller countries around Saudi Arabia. And... That bank is holding the money, but that bank cannot release the money. So the money has not been released yet. 
until Washington, D.C., simply tell the bank in Qatar, release the money, and then the money can be transferred electronically into Iranian banks, actually the Iranian state bank. So that shows you the financial control that exists right now. Well, things have gone slow. And um, so the world government simply decided, this is, this is my understanding, that we need to kickstart the situation. That's going to bring me to Second Thessalonians. So let's turn in our Bibles to Second Thessalonians. And uh, get my Bible going here. So Second Thessalonians, uh, chapter two. And I'm going to read the first five verses. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letters from us, as of the day of Christ is on hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except the come of falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalt himself above all this good God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know, will behold, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity, there's already work, only he who now lets will let unto be taken out of the way. Paul wrote this before he was he was beheaded in Rome. It is estimated he wrote this about three or four years before the Romans took Jerusalem after a big fight because there had been an uproar in sixty-seven. AD. And um, the Romans spent about two, three years taking down the temple, destroyed it stone by stone. So the only thing left is the foundation, what we call the, the Wailing Wall right now. It's all what's left. So Paul did not know. So here's what I want you to understand. The book of Revelation had not yet been written. It would come about 90 AD. So Paul had never read the book of Revelation. He did not even know that it was going to come. He was given prophetic revelations himself. And he knew that when he wrote this, there was a temple in Jerusalem. And he simply said this, the Antichrist is going to come 
to Jerusalem. He's going to go into the temple. He's going to proclaim himself to be God. And then all hell is going to break loose. As we read then in, later in this chapter. So, what we know now is this. There's no temple in Jerusalem. On the temple mount, there's a mosque. And Jews are not allowed to get up in there. Uh, they can go t- below to the wailing wall. To the, that's where they go and pray. But the Muslims control the mosque. And it's an agreement between Israel and Jordan that uh, Jordan is the, uh, what they call the guarantor for the, the mosque. And uh, the agreement is that the Jews will not mess with the mosque. But the Antichrist says, I want the mosque gone. I need a temple. He wants to be the Messiah. To be the Messiah, he needs a temple. And the temple can only be in one place, in Jerusalem, on the hill of Moriah. He has to duplicate what God had done in order to try to fool the world that he is the Messiah. So understand this, people. When the Antichrist comes, he's not going to say, my name is Antichrist. I am powered by the devil. I'm the bad dude. He's not going to come and say that. He's going to come and say, I am the Messiah of Israel. I'm the one that all the prophets spoke about. And now I have come to fulfill and to take control of the earth and bring it back under control of God. That's how he's going to present himself. So, Israel was established in uh, 1948. In 1967, uh, in that particular war, they, they took Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem at that time was divided, but half was for the Jews and half for the Arabs. So they reestablished Jerusalem as Jerusalem as a capital of Israel, which the United States recognized under Trump. But they got a problem. There's a temple there. And you got Muslims. So, in order now to get things moving, they needed a war. I read the Jerusalem Post today. I've been reading Jerusalem Post. That come, that, that's a Jewish uh, newspaper out of uh, Jerusalem. And the people in Israel are very angry. They are angry at the Hamas, but they are also very angry at Netanyahu and his government and the military. And I didn't write down the numbers, but I think something about 60%. They did a polling in Israel this week. And 60% of the Jews simply said, Netanyahu should resign immediately. He is responsible for this debacle. And they are simply called, matter of fact, they've been... 
written uh, that a lot of people, some people had simply said that they, they told the Israeli defense ministers, not defense ministers, but the military generals, go and hang yourself. You caused this holocaust that took place last Saturday. So the question now is, how did it cost? Well, because there was an intelligence failure. But was it an intelligence failure? Or was it a deliberately set up where simply the world government said, we want to kickstart this. It's going too slow. We need to clean out the Palestinians. We need to clean out. We need to take control. And we want to go for the mosque. We want to begin to set things up for our Messiah. And so really, and a lot of people will say, well, you know, I'm crazy. I'm anti-Semitic. I'm this and that. I, I, I feel sorry for the Jewish people. I feel as sorry for them as we had the 9-11 attack on the United States, which was a setup to get us to go to war and take out Saddam Hussein. We had Pearl Harbor. was another setup to get us into World War II. In World War I, we had Lusitania, a ship that was set up to get America into World War I. False operations and of things of this had, had continued. It's, it's not new. And so the question now is, where are we going here? Is Jesus coming back? What's happened prophetically? The focal point now is that in order for the Antichrist to have a temple, and there will be a temple, the Bible says so, that's, that's a surety. They have to take down the Arabs, and particularly Palestinians. They have to. They cannot have them controlled, because they do control the mosque, the Aqsa Mosque on the Temple Ground. So, Israel could not clean out Hamas without a cause. And Hamas is very militant. They aligned with Hezbollah. They aligned with Iran. It, it's a Muslim organization. And the atrocities that took place there, you got to remember now that these people, the, the archons of war, foreign angels, that had been in the Middle East for years, from the first wars we have, we talked about today, beginning with Abraham, when they, there was wars between the different kings there. And you had you had the Babylon, you had Persia, you had Assyria, you had Rome, you got uh, uh, Egypt. Uh, wars has been raging in this place for 5,000 5, years. It has never ceased. And so the same 
oracle and demons that fueled the Romans to take Jerusalem in 67 AD and erase it and destroy the temple. The same demons are there today. When the Romans took Jerusalem in 67 AD, children were picked up by their feet and they was, their heads were smashed against the walls. Babies were slaughtered. Women had their bellies cut up and babies torn out. Men were slain. 67 was a slaughter when tens of thousands of Jewish men, women, boys and girls were slaughtered. We have the historical records of it. Now Jesus warned there was not one Christian to come in that battle. Because Jesus had told them in Matthew 24, when you see that Jerusalem surrounded by armies, flee. And the Christian flood. And if you read Jewish history books, they simply said that the Christians were cowards and they simply betrayed the Jews who were trying to defend Jerusalem at that time. The same demons, the same archon running at that time, back in 67 AD, are here today. And so the Hamas fighters, terrorists, call them what you want, they're terrorists, that went into Israel, they went in with one purpose, to slaughter as many as possible, to make a mess, to bring back hostages, to simply create a war. Hamas also wanted a war. Israel, the people of Israel did not want a war. They want to live their lives. They want to go to work. They want to have a good time. They got family. They don't want a war. But now they have a war. And so it was a tremendous intelligence failure that was, I believe, deliberate in order to get things going again according to the world government. Is Jesus coming back immediately? No, he's not. The Bible says here, he's not going to come back until after the Antichrist. But what we see now is the preparation to take control of the Temple Mount, demolish the mosque, and to set up the Third Temple. Since 1950, in Israel, there is a group, there's, it's a society, uh, of, of a, a temple society. The temple is ready. The stones are cut. The timber is cut. The furniture is cut. Everything is cut. They've been working on that since about 1955. And all the material 
is in warehouses in Israel. Remember this, when the first temple was built by Solomon, it took seven years. All the timber, all the cutting of stones were done in different places. They brought it into Jerusalem. And when they started building the temple, the Bible says, not a hammer or a saw was heard. It was silent. It was prefabricated. And when everything was done, it was assembled without any noise. Well, today we got forklifts. We got cranes. We got a lot of different things. The third temple, once the temple mount is cleared, can be put up probably within one week. It's prefabricated. When you see the mosque gone, when you see on global television, the Jews are putting up a temple. That's when you will know. Now we are only maybe a year or two years away from the false Messiah that the Bible calls the Antichrist. What should we do in the meantime? I have prayed, this is how I prayed. There are Jewish hostages that are held there. Most likely they will not survive. There are Palestinians right now, civilians that are dying. My prayer has been, Jesus, reveal yourself to these people before they die. Because in Persia, Iran, the last 20 years, There has been a number of times when Iranian men and women have been awoken in the middle of the night, seen a vision of Jesus. He spoke to them and simply said, I am Jesus. I am your Messiah. And when they woke up, or actually the next day, they were told, seek out someone that got the Bible. And thousands of Iranians, Muslims, came to Christ through direct visions. And that's what I prayed, God, give these people, before they die, a direct vision so they don't have to go to hell, but they can go to heaven. It's horrible. It's horrible for Palestinians to die. It's horrible for Jews to die. Because I'm going to leave you with one verse here quickly before I go here today. And that's from the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And verse number 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you're a Muslim, Buddhist, Jewish, whatever religion you have, you will go to hell. You have to come through Jesus. Remember this. 
Jesus was had a, came from a Jewish background. His mother was Jewish. He was of the tribe of Judah. The apostles were all Jewish. Christianity is a second step of the Old Testament. It is not a Gentile religion. It's a Jewish religion. And we need to come to Jesus. Remember this. No one can be saved except coming through Jesus Christ. Okay, back to you, Shannon. Brother John, um, this is certainly exciting times. A uh, couple thoughts here. I want to add to this good, great discussion. There's one theory that the temple could be rebuilt and actually be adjacent to the mosque. Now, I was in Israel twice, but I went um, the first time there with the desire to do two things. Go see the um, garden tomb with Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, not Garden of Gethsemane, excuse me, uh, Golgotha. And I wanted to see that. I saw it. And then I want to get up to the uh, mount. I was able to get up and do both. But I went up to the mount and um, over adjacent to the mosque, they have a place with a little pagoda, if you will, a little dome. They call it the Dome of the Spirits. And it's sitting right over a, a very large rock. And I had seen a documentary film by Michael Rood some years ago, and he believed that uh, actual location of the temple was not at the um, where the mosque is today, but actually right there in the Ark of the Covenant set up on that rock. Now, that that's speculation. Um, but I thought, that's interesting. I, I was up there, and uh, there was a huge space, sure enough. Some are uh, suggesting that might be what they do instead of actually uh, detonating the, the mosque, which, of course, would cause all Arab nations in the world, my goodness, uh, to fight Israel for sure. There's another theory, though. A guy, uh, Bob Kornuki, has kind of popularized, and that is... Uh, the temple wasn't up there at all, but rather that was where the, uh, I, th- I guess it was called the 10th Roman Legion was stationed. And there's another place called Fort Antonius, but I don't, me- I, I don't remember looking at that when I was there, but I've seen pictures of it, and they said there's no way the 10th Roman Legion could be over there where they say Fort Antonius Castle is. So they believe that actually the whole Roman Legion used that whole mountain up there, the Mount uh uh, to stage their army and the um, the temple of God was not, was located none other than in the uh, city of David and there has been some archaeological dig which has found what they believe to have been a place where sacrifice was being done. It's not a very big area. That's all interesting. Josephus seems to indicate that the location is different than where we've thought it's been for a long time. I don't know. These are very interesting theories. It could be one of the three. Um, aside from that, um, these are interesting times. Now, there's a guy named Craig Bong. He was up on a uh, YouTube channel of Janie Duvall, who was a producer for Sid Roth for about 25 years. She's doing her own thing now. And... Uh, Never heard this guy before, but he's done a series of interviews with her, and they've been talking about this upcoming event. Have you heard of a thing coming up in December 
November called COP28? Is it, no. Okay. okay. I had neither. And, of course, there's been these uh, climate uh, meetings that have been going on since the 90s. And they have my guess every few years. Now, this guy said, you got to watch out for this. It's going to be over there in, um, I think it's United Arab Emirates or Abu Dhabi. I get those places confused. It's coming up, and it's going to run November into December. And the World Economic Forum is going to be out up there, kings and presidents from around the world. Even Israel's supposed to be up there with a 1,000 delegates. I don't know if they're going to make it or not now. And uh, he said, uh, the guy that is above it all uh, is none other than King Charles working with the Pope. And uh, he lays out some pretty interesting evidence that points to the fact that King Charles, he believes, could be the Antichrist. Now, there's others that have promoted that idea, too, including a guy who wrote a book on it called The Antichrist and a Cup of Tea named Tim Cohen. I actually had him on the show. And uh, I'm going to send you a video to look at. Maybe we can uh, comment on it next week, but... I had no idea this meeting was coming up. And why it's significant in his, in his presentation is he said they're looking to confirm a covenant with many. And the, the whole agenda is Agenda 2030, where essentially all these plans of the New World Order, Klaus Schwab, you all nothing, be happy, will culminate then. And they believe that uh, they're going to make that announcement and the covenant agreement uh, in December of this year and they say we've only got seven years to do it now that's very interesting terminology now there's more than what I can mention and regurgitate on this but it's worth a look and that's interesting too and I was just thinking what if the tribulation did kick off let's just say what if it did Um, this December and the seven year starts some believe it's three and a half I don't know Um, also interesting um I made another note here I want to mention. I don't know how many remember this, but I'm sure you remember it like I do, Brother John. You remember back in 2005, it was none other than George Bush Jr. who ordered Israel to withdraw from Gaza. And I remember the footage, uh, watching it, of uh, the IDF troops going in there and pulling people out of their homes, and then many people didn't want to go because that's where they lived. They said, this is our land. Uh, these were settlers. Well, they call them settlers, right? Yeah, I uh, mean, they, 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 they had built uh, farms there. Right, exactly. They built farms, houses, and then bulldozers came in. Uh, that would be a right term, not occupier, as the Palestinians would call them. But um, they, were dis- they were kicked out of their land. Now, that place was prospering. And then uh, it's we force it, America does, um, and some other countries for them to give it up they turned it over to the Palestinians within about three years Hamas took over so Hamas has had control of this place for about 15 years and maybe other groups too I don't know but it's, it's a small splinter groups yes sir and the like point jihad, I'm trying to make is um, jihad. the very land that God gave them um Hamas and these other groups have been waging war back against Israel. How many times has Israel sustained rocket attacks? Even if it was just one day of rocket attacks, we wouldn't have put up with that in America. And uh, neither would anybody else yet. Israel's forced to um, uh, 
what's the word, uh, to take the blows and not really respond. And, you know, they have at a limited basis. I'm like this way I look at it is because I've been reading in the King James this week uh, in the book of Deuteronomy and um, talks extensively about God gives the uh, the tribes of Israel, with the exception of Levite, uh, the land for possession and tells them go in and occupy it. And he says, I, I'm going to remove the other people because of their wickedness and I'm going to install you in there. I'm giving it to you as a possession and you're to go in there and take the land. And so the way I see it, these Hamas or Hezbollah or whoever it's going to be, even most of the United Nations, you know, we've got demon-possessed nations and people out there that covet this land that God gave his people Israel. They're jealous of the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they're willing to murder, to steal it. But ultimately, they're going to fail. And, uh, you know, the way I look at it is um, whether there was any contrived chaos or not, I still stand with God on the fact that uh, he gave the land, not only Gaza, but also I think he gave uh, Lebanon and land down to the river Euphrates. Uh, everywhere they st- they put their foot down uh, and as an inheritance, a possession to these people. And that doesn't mean I agree with the politicians, no. Or the gay pride parades and all that stuff. But I have to agree with God that if it, that's his decision to give the land to the people, who are we to oppose God? Not to mention, uh, you know, we're all going to end up there anyway if we're believers in Christ when Jesus comes back and rules and reigns from Mount Zion. So we've got people that hate Israel for the Jews. Uh, they hate the word Zion and not knowing uh, the Bible because God calls that his holy hill. And um, I'm like this. We, yeah, I just uh, I support Israel unconditionally. Now, as much as I am gung-ho and I'm like, take Gaza back and keep going, get it all. They're not going to get it all right now. In fact, I think it's going to get a lot worse, doesn't it, uh, that causes the Jewish people to cry out for the Messiah. Uh, most of them are not headed to heaven right now. There are some Messianic Jewish believers out there, but, you know, look, if you die without Christ, Jew or Gentile, you're going to bust hell wide open. We need to pray for the Jews' salvation. And uh, at the same time, we can't afford to boast against the branches, as Paul said. You know, uh, Jesus first came to the Jews, but because they would not have him, most of them, the gospel opened up to the rest of us who are Gentiles. And then the Gentiles supposed to provoke the Jews to jealousy, but it's almost like we've got a segment of Christians that just hate the Jews. I don't know why. Um, are they jealous? Um, what the heck's going on? And I'm, can, I, can I say something? Oh, yes, sir. Absolutely. Jump in. Good. Uh, as Christians, we should not hate anyone because God loves old people. And uh, we are supposed to, you know, to share the gospel. And Jesus came to save people not to you know to kill them and so that that's that's what we should do right now is is to pray for people and we should not hate any group now for the muslims this guy for example hamas people now uh, i don't know if you've seen it but they have been their children they've been conditioned to be uh, hate jews oh yeah and they have uh, 
comic books, uh, actually the textbooks uh, are showing you how to hang a Jew or kill a Jew or do stuff like that. So these people are simply trained from childhood and uh, but God loves them. So we hate people's deeds but we shouldn't hate the people themselves. God doesn't want anybody to perish. No question about it but clearly there are some people that are militant out there and uh, you know when you train your kids to to hate Jews and Christians and uh, suicide bomb and the rest man that's that's wicked what they're doing over there you know brother John um, I had an opportunity to have on the program a few days ago a friend who's actually in Israel he lives outside of Jerusalem but not far he's an American uh, born and raised in America was in the US Army but he made Aliyah because his mother is Jewish. And uh, he went back, and uh, he's a Christian. And he's fought a long battle for 30 years just to even stay in the country because uh, there was pressure on him and his family basically to be thrown out. But he said, hey, just because I'm a Christian, uh, that should not disenfranchise me from being here in the land because I'm a Jew also. I'm just not, uh, you know... uh, a Jew according to religion and um, he won his right to stay in the land but he's been ostracized he said man it's been tough you ought to see what we've had to go through and the legal expenses just to be able to stay here and he loves the Jewish people and he's a Christian but uh, I had an opportunity to ask someone on the ground bottom line where I'm going is I said hey Greg how did this happen what do you mean uh, Hamas could come in and break in and murder whole families and, you know, beheading people. I was shocked to find out they don't have Second Amendment rights over there. I said, I don't understand that. Uh, you're surrounded by enemies that want to kill you, and they have telegraphed so much. They want to drive Israel into the sea. Uh, some of the Russians have even said this, like Zhirnovsky years ago. I remember him saying that. Uh, clearly, Iran wants to destroy every last Jewish person. I said, "What do you? how, how could you not have weapons and he said that's the rules over here now you can get a pistol but you got to apply for a special permit that mean you're going to get it but what i think's happened is they got a lot of liberals there and uh i sure hope the law changes because because of the laws they got over there these families that are you know within a stone throw pun intended from people that want them dead over there on the other side of the border had no way to defend themselves now, brother, if they had an Uzi per family, this wouldn't have happened in all likelihood. You know, in Switzerland, of course, it's a law I'm under, I've, that's been on the books for some time. Every family has to have an automatic weapon and be trained to use it and have ammo. You know, Switzerland goes be above and beyond making sure they can repel an invasion. How much more show, should Israel have that right? Yet you've got some blasted liberal politicians that disarm the people? I don't understand this. Even the military, uh, when they're not on active duty in the reserves, they don't get their weapon either. You've got to go draw it out You know when you're called up. Um, to think that could even happen to America. And look at the liberals that want to disarm us in America. I say this, Brother John, if we ever give up our guns in America, it's over with. Uh, there'll be nothing to stop a, a Che Guevara-style, let's grab everybody who's not Democrat and put them up against the wall firing squad 
Look at how Australia's been disarmed. UK's been disarmed. I mean, you know, the UN wants to disarm all nations. And uh, sadly, if the people had had an Uzi or Galil rifle per home, they could have repelled that attack, but they were sitting ducks and slaughtered. They didn't have nothing but a butter knife over there, probably. And uh, that was shocking to me. I had no idea. Uh, I hope that changes. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of people saying that this could be the start of the tribulation period. I will say this. I agree with you. If they build that temple, we know that we know the clock ticked out, uh, clock countdown is on. Uh, I'm watching this very carefully. Um, will Netanyahu survive it? There's a lot of people that want to give away land for peace over there. A lot of liberal Jews over there. A lot of secular Jews over there. Then, of course, you got the Orthodox, and uh, they do not want to give up an inch, and I don't blame them. I wouldn't want to give up something that had been given to me. And, uh, you know, irregardless of what I think or want, I have to look at what the Bible says. And uh, am I correct, Brother John? They're going to be invaded probably by Russia. And it says, woe to those in the city. I mean, you know, they're they're going to go after rape the women. There'll be blood and slaughter at some point when Russia, uh, when enemies of Israel invade. Of course, we've got the Antichrist first, right? He's going to set up in that temple and say he is God. And uh, there is a time in coming that if you're in Judea, you're in Israel, you're to make a run for, I think, Petra. Because if you hang around, you're going to be killed. Um, it's going to get a whole lot worse before Jesus comes back to change the situation. What do you have to say? Yes, it is uh, going to be. Uh, uh, it's going to be ugly. So, uh, what what I see the Bible is teaching is simply this: that we will have we will have the Antichrist first, and he's going to be he's going to actually have a world federation. So there will be a uh, eventually. He's not going. He's not going to be able to subdue uh, China, and uh, he's not going to be able to subdue. Um, Russia completely so um, they, it's going to crack and uh, that's when you have the uh, war of Armageddon um, where, they, where they coming down but the, the strange thing is if you read the Bible there, it's that they are coming down to, to take control, they're coming against the Antichrist but then they, as Jesus comes then all the armies in, in, in the world that unite then to fight uh, Jesus because now they have a common enemy Jesus and so uh, that's going to be a uh, that's going to be a, the it's going to be one more war after the world after the thousand year kingdom now you know so uh, oh go ahead I'm sorry so, and another thing is this: that the, uh, the tribulation is not a seven years, uh, because the Bible says it's a one hour, and uh, you have that in Revelation it says that uh, he will reign with one hour with ten kings, and the one hour is forty-one point seven years. So tribulation is going to be a much longer period than seven years. Oh boy, that's even worse news. I was, but I thought you were going to say it was shorter. I said I won't mind it being shorter. Um, I know also keep uh, keep uh, just being respectful of your time. I'll make this comment too. 
um, which is interesting. There's a theory out there that uh, the Antichrist would be the Iman who would come out of Iran or Muslim world. There's others that say he's going to be Jewish. This Craig Bong guy makes a very compelling case that it's none other than King Charles, who uh, has been uh, said to uh, actually be the leaders of technically of three religions. I mean, he's a uh, he's a professed Muslim according to one of the imams. He's the head of the Anglican Church, and also he claims lineage to one of the Jewish tribes. I think of Dan. Uh, they also say because he's the head of the Commonwealth, he literally rules technically over a quarter of the world's nations, which would fit that, I think, parameter that the Antichrist be over a quarter of the earth. Let me say this, though. I know I was raised to think surely the enemy in the last days is going to be Islam, especially when you think about who might be martyring people and why. Uh, who, who likes to cut heads off, of course. <laughs> we know that that happens in Muslim nations, but something I think people have forgotten and uh, and that is this the two greatest superpowers uh, two of the three are China and Russia in my opinion do you agree? China, Russia and America? Yes. Okay we yes. know they've got enough nukes to make them a superpower look at China and Russia both of them hate Islam and I'll prove it like this China has a million people last count I heard the Uyghurs they're Muslim Nationals over there, and they arrested them all and put them in prison. And they've got the rest in the cities in lockdown under extreme surveillance and monitoring. Uh, China has no qualms at all locking up Muslims. They don't like them. Russia also, look at what they did with Chechnya, the Muslim revolt over there. They put that down quick. I don't think Muslim Muslims are loved at all by China or Russia. And I don't think the beast is going to control either of those two nations. Um, therefore, what Muslim nation could uh, could rule and reign? Uh, would it be Turkey? Uh, and what happens to America in the process? I saw that to say this. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to be Islam. And I think it. there's a, a possibility it could be the Fourth Reich. And I was looking back into World War II history, and a lot of people forget that uh, one of the modes of executing people was beheadings by Hitler. He chopped a lot of heads off with guillotines, both Christian and Jew, and you've got this EU now. Uh, many believe that uh, is the modern incarnation of the Fourth Reich. Klaus Schwab, of course, his father uh, worked with the Nazis. He was German. And uh, could it be the Fourth Reich who uh, presides you know, over this beast system with maybe King Charles at the top and uh, the Pope is the false prophet? That's an interesting combination. Many believe that the Pope is the false prophet. I don't know the answer to it, but I'm keeping my eye on it, and um, I do believe America is at the center of it. Uh, we might even be ground zero for the beast. I just don't know. I've heard many theories growing up in the church, and um, I think uh, one thing for certain, we're closer than ever before to seeing the fireworks go off. Uh, one final thing, have you heard that, uh, or did you mention this, that uh, there, uh, that there's a red alert right now for tomorrow, Friday, and some are believing that um, uh, Islam is uh, going to rush the Temple Mount. I think many are calling for Muslim nations to join them in in the uh, attack on the Mount tomorrow.
Did you hear anything about that? They, uh, they, the, elder, the elderly control the Temple Mount. Well, that's true. They do, but so uh, you know they go they, up uh, Friday for their services, right? Yeah, Friday is their Sabbath, and uh, so uh, the the Israeli police they they are controlling the streets around it. So they the, are not they are not allowed to go into the Temple Mount. The Jordanians actually um, are the mediator, and when I went up to the Temple Mount, I went by this guy and he was some. <coughs> Really strange. It looked like uh, some castle garb. It was a Jordanian policeman, and uh, yeah. he smiled at me nice enough to let me through. And I went up on the mount, and there was almost nobody there. I saw a guy sitting outside the mosque in a chair who guards the uh, door. He won't let you in unless you're Muslim. And some dude approached me from the distance. I was up there minding my own business. I just want to get over there and stand on the uh, side of what may have been that holy of holies because I was told that platform had a sand hydraulic system. And actually dropped down on the mount, and that's where the uh, the ark was spirited away. And then the platform comes up to conceal its, um, you know, to conceal it. And uh, a guy approached me and turned out to be a Palestinian. And he uh, proposed to give me a tour. And I thought, you know what? What the heck? Maybe this guy could get me into some of the places that are off limits because he's Palestinian. And uh, he took me around. I took him out to lunch at a Jewish place. <laughs> And brother, at the end of the day, he stuck me with a $300 bill. Almost made my jaw drop. I uh, bought him lunch. and was going to give him a tip. Maybe 50 bucks, 100 bucks. I said, how much owe you? He said, 300 bucks. <laughs> I learned a lesson, brother John. Always haggle before you uh, do a deal. Yeah. Don't ever get in a taxi, too, unless you know exactly how much it's going to be. Let me, let me get close in this. We gave you yes, the sir. scripture here. Thank you. If you have Revelation chapter 17. In verse number 12, he says this, And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings. Receive no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with a beast. So the seven years is a construction that people did uh, by juggling around weeks and days. But we have a, a, a definite description in the book of Revelation be one hour. Now, if you take that with Second Peter, where Peter said that one year, one day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And you divide a thousand with 24, then you get 41.7 years for us. Good grief, Brother John. You just um, did a buzzkill on me. I thought we were getting out of here <laughs> earlier than that. You mean I gotta, we got to hang on for at least another 40 years? Yeah. Oh man, if that's the case, that sucks. <laughs> I thought it was getting ready to wind up between three and a half and seven years. Yeah. That's so read seventeen at twelve yourself. I'm going to have to go back and check that and study that. I've never heard that before, and you could be correct. Um, I've heard so many uh, people speculate. And propose certain things. Then we got the whole group that believes they don't have to worry about revelation. They'll be out of here before it all starts. Which uh, they're in for a rude awakening when Jesus Christ said himself, he comes back immediately after the tribulation of those days. But uh, my great uncle at the funeral of my grandmother in 2011 was talking to my grandfather and I was tuning into the conversation. He said, You know, Sylvan, his brother, 
Sylvan, this thing may drag out longer than any of us ever thought. He said, excruciatingly slow. And maybe that was prophetic, Brother John. Revelation 17.12 gives you an exact number, one hour. Okay, I'm going to go back and study that. Thank you for this program then you tonight. Te- go then, ahead. then you te- temper that with uh, Second Peter uh, in verse uh, t- uh, chapter 3, verse number 8. The beloved, be not ignorant. He said, do not be stupid or uninformed of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day well good grief brother John you and I will probably be out of here then uh, before that ever happens I'll be 54 next month that means I got to hold on for another 41 years minimum I'll be 95 <laughs> <laughs> oh boy well we occupy till Jesus comes yes and uh, that's that's one thing for sure uh, Brother John, what do you want to call today's program for the ARCA? Why don't we call it uh, uh, what I have written down here. Why don't we just call it War in Israel? War in, war in Israel? Yeah. And Brother John, of course, the Lord give, could give us 120 just like Moses. Yeah. <laughs> hey, But you know, I, I, I'm not looking forward to hanging around for the uh, uh, tribulation period. Oh, it's going to be hard. Oh, God, help us all, Jesus. Uh, It's four to one years of camping. Oh, my goodness. That's not going to be fun. Hey, uh, bonus uh, thought. Um, I know many are speculating on who the two two witnesses are. Some say Moses and Elijah. That's a good option. I was thinking, though, uh, there's only two that we have record of that never died. Am I correct? That's Enoch and the Elijah. Correct. If you look at the word that says it's appointed on a man once to die and then the judgment, I was thinking, you know what, if those guys have never died, they were translated, it would kind of be conceivable that God would allow them to come back because those two must be killed and then scriptures fulfilled. There wasn't anybody who didn't die and those guys die and then of course they're resurrected and uh, that would be interesting. That would be my my bet right now is Enoch and Elijah, but then we can't discount Moses comes back and was there at the Mount Transfiguration, right? He was, but that, he was there in his um, in his soul body. And you know, it wouldn't make sense for him to die twice because he died and God buried him. Yeah. So I'm going to put in a I'm going to put in a bet um, for uh, Enoch. And Elijah, uh, I will tell you one thing though. That's going to be pretty exciting to see those two guys. Would you think they'll be dressed in uh, in typical garb of that time, or you think they'll come over in a in a pair of jeans or a three piece suit? <laughs> no, I, I think they'd be they'd be probably dressed, you know, like uh, John the Baptist, you know, with a robe. Yeah, and uh, uh, where they they simply um, they're not they are. Uh, be, they will, they will be here to do a job, and uh, they will not be interested in, you know, uh, fashion or anything like that. Like a one-piece tunic with some sandals or a camel hair suit? Yeah. Absolutely. 
Uh, Brother John, thank you for coming on today. If someone wants to uh, follow the ministry and support your work, how can they do that? Uh, go to uh, easc.org. But the support should go to you. So if anyone wants to give anything today, they should, they should go to your website and give you money. Well, thank you for the, the uh, your time today, Brother John. We love and appreciate you. You want to close us in prayer? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you right now that we had this program here today, Lord. And I want to thank you that in the Bible you have told us enough information that we do not have to panic and that we will know how the outcome is. And we can say to people, in the end, we win. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love and appreciate you, my friend. We'll see you next time. God bless you, Brother John. Love, love you, too. Thank you, sir. Praise the Lord, everybody. Wow. Now, that's uh, that's an awesome program right there. That's a lot of stuff to be thinking about. And again, um, I know there's some that that have just died in the womb and they say it's got to be um, so-and-so is going to be the Antichrist. He's going to come up out of Iran and come up out of the well. And, you know, and there'll, there'll be three and a half, seven years. Others are saying it's the Holy Roman Empire. Um, I don't know. I've got to pray about it and think about it. There's some other things that I have not considered before. Now, what you believe in terms of eschatology is not a salvation doctrine. Okay? And we can agree to disagree. Uh, but I want to encourage everybody to look at this video called 40 Weeks Left, COP28 by Craig Bond. It's on Janie Duvall, D-U-V-A-L-L, her channel on YouTube. Craig is also up on Facebook. And um, he makes a compelling argument that it's none other than King Charles. And they believe that the uh, covenant is going to... um, being launched in December as part of Agenda uh, 2030. I don't know. Now, we'll say this. I don't agree with Craig Bond on the fact that uh, he believes that uh, the rapture is going to take place. Get him out of here. I don't buy that at all. Jesus is very clear when he comes back, and it's uh, at the last trump immediately after the tribulation of those days. So again, that's not a salvation doctrine either. But let me show you, let me just say this uh, where it can get very dangerous. If we get dogmatic and say absolutely we're going to get out of here uh, and you don't. That would be a great reason why people get offended and fall away. And didn't Jesus also talk about it in the parable of the sower? There are those that were Uh, planted on rocky ground. The seed came up, rather, from the rocky ground, and anon with joy, they received the gospel. But when persecution comes for the cause of Christ and following him, they get offended. When persecution and tribulation come for Jesus' sake, they are offended, they fall away. 
you can't fall away if you're already fallen. This has got to be, and it says what it is, these are people who receive the gospel. This is talking about believers. They thought they were getting out of here without any trouble. And the Bible doesn't support that. The Bible says all those in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If they persecute me, they'll persecute you. Jesus said, is the servant greater than the master? Paul says, through much persecution and tribulation, we enter into the kingdom of God. Where it says, all those in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So clearly, these people haven't read the word, or are they believed online, were deceived by others that said, you know, no, no, you won't be here, don't worry about that. You'll be out of here before all that happens. And it happens to them. And they get deceived. And now they're offended. So, that's the real danger right there. People are in danger of falling away and going to hell. Lost. Because of some bad teaching. And I don't think people mean to uh, to set people up for deception, but they're deceived themselves. Maybe going with the party line. That's what they were taught growing up, and their pastor was taught that. And, you know, that's the case with many denominations out there. That's been the way it is and been in the Pentecostal church, especially Church of God that I grew up in. They preach the rapture. They preach it for years. Some are still preaching it. I think the Baptists do and the Assemblies of God and many. And then there's some denominations that went way, you know, they, they went they went they went off into the canyon, Episcopal and Lutheran churches. They're ordaining lesbian women over there. Supporting some of them LGBTQ abominations. I'm like this. Uh, if, we, if I got out of here earlier than I thought, praise God, but I don't see that in Scripture, that we get out before the tribulation. Now, we're not appointed unto the wrath of God. The wrath of God, as I understand, is the day of the Lord. It's not tribulation. That's the wrath of men. And we're here for a reason. We're here to let our light shine, do Mark 16 ministry, and bring in as many as we can. Because the harvest fields are white and the workers are few. At the same time, we can expect war on the saints. It says Satan will wear out the saints. And that even being said, we have to remain patient, keep the faith. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and love not our lives unto the death. And we do not take the mark or bow our knee and worship the beast, because if we do, you're damned. And so would I be. Can't do that. So we've got to resist the mark, say no, even if it means imprisonment or death. Know that the enemy is going to wear out the saints and persecution, tribulation are just part of um, being a follower of Christ. They persecute the disciples, they'll persecute you and I. Some of them went into jail, some of us will go into jail. Some of them were killed by the sword or ordered by the state to be executed, that will happen to some of us. It's happening to some of our brethren right now in North Korea, in Mozambique. I said Mogadishu earlier. No, it's Mozambique. 
China, Myanmar. Vietnam is a communist country. Preach the gospel over there, see how far you get. Preach the gospel on some of the street corners and talk about homosexuality as a sin, they'll arrest you. In Canada and in England, as I understand it. Where's their rapture? Where's the rapture for the North Korean church? Where's the rapture for those in Mozambique that were crucified a few years ago and even children were having their heads cut off by the militant groups? Where's the rapture for the underground church that are being hunted down in parts of Asia? Where's the rapture for the churches over here in this country where I live that a few years ago were were hit with suicide bombers? That's an invention of the West that we're getting out of here before trouble because the Bible doesn't back that up. And the ultimate authority anyway should be Jesus. He says when he's coming back immediately after the tribulation of those days and not sooner. Unless you believe in return of the Lord coming multiple times. Now some believe in fruit gatherings. My grandmother used to actually. But my granddad and I didn't. I believe Jesus comes one time. Comes back one time. I see no mention of a third, second or a third time. And you know, you can go home and meet him though. You can die. He can call you. Say your job's done. Call us home. Oh man. Here we are. Exciting time to be alive. Sobering. And you know the good news is the, the Lord will be with you and I to the end. He says, I will never leave to forsake you. When he prayed, the Father he said, Father, I pray not that you take him out of the world, but that you, uh, you have, that you'll minister to them, paraphrase. Keep them, rather. So um, where to go? Where to go through the roughage? We are Jesus' trophies. Just like Job. Have you considered my servant Job? Well, he's only serving you, praising your name because you blessed him. But take your hedge of protection around him and let's see how long he is a happy camper. He'll curse you to his face, to your face. Paraphrase. And Job was faithful. We might have to go the test of Job. Pick the apostle that you admire the most. You might have to go out the same way they did. Crucified, beheaded, imprisoned, killed by the sword. I really think that we're going to relive much of the uh, book of Acts. Even having to meet underground. Meeting, meeting uh, in normal churches, you would be arrested. My grandmother, in closing, had a dream many years ago, back in probably the 60s. And she told me over the years, when she was alive, she said, son, I had a dream. It was the last days. Tribulation was upon us. And there was a group of us believers we had hid out in an old farmhouse out in the country. She said it was not far from a military base. And I'm assuming it was somewhere down in South Georgia, somewhere. And, uh, or Florida, probably Georgia. 
She said, we were hiding out. And they found us. And military came in, the soldiers, and they gave everybody an injection. And as they gave an injection, it was like whatever it was in that injection killed them instantly. They just dropped to the floor. And she said that after they had injected everybody, they left. Mission accomplished. They had tracked down the Christians and killed them. She said the Lord raised her up, and then she just went over and began to tap them, and then uh, they were raised from the dead. And that was where the story ended. And she said, son, don't you know we never die? And I said, what do you mean? She said the, the body can die, but your soul going to live forever somewhere either with the Lord or you're going to be in hell they can kill the flesh but the soul it's either going to you're going to be with the Lord Jesus if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life or you're going to be in the in hell fall by the lake of fire spirit goes back to God the soul that you and I is going to live with the Lord or apart from him and uh, my grandfather, on the other hand, uh, had a dream that he was in downtown Atlanta in a line. He said that went for blocks and wrapped around one block to the next. People were in line to get food vouchers. And he said he waited his turn and eventually got to the front. And there was a desk there with a lady and like two guards and he was trying to get his food voucher and the first question they asked him is do you have the mark so those are two dreams they saw the tribulation period and uh, if we live long enough we're going to see it too we got to get prepared best way to prepare is get in the word every day and pray God will strengthen us Father God in the name of Jesus we thank you for this time together tonight, we thank you for your word. I thank you for Brother John and Brother Gary and Sister Tiffany that came on the program today. Thank you for everybody who's come out here to tune into this program. Lord Jesus, we need you more than ever. Strengthen us for the day of trouble ahead. Guide and direct all of our steps, Father God. Help us get our priorities in order. Help us to be where you want us to be. If you want us to relocate, give us instructions on where to be and the resources to go there for every one of us tuning in. It may be in a situation where we're trying to find out the next move. Have your way, God. Open up right doors and close the wrong doors where it would be a danger if we step through them. Give us peace, sleep. Bless those out there, God, that need a miracle, finances, or healing. Wish your ministering angels to them right now. Help us all, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, folks, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Brother Elvis could not be on with us tonight. Uh, he had internet issues, like I had mine the other day. That happens. He will be back in about two weeks. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we have a full schedule for you tomorrow. So on tomorrow's broadcast, we're going to have Speak My Word, Dr. Hansen with some guests, Joseph Ferrara, Louis and Rose Betancourt, and we're going to have in the evening 
at 8 p.m. Eastern, Victor Mravlag preaching, and then the Demon Hotline at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. So if you need prayer tomorrow, that's where you'll do it. And uh, thank you to Mags in the chat room. That's right, the UAE session will be, uh, I think, up through 12 December, somewhere around there. So it's UAE. COP28. Is it COP28, COP29? I get confused. It's one of those two. But um, I'll repost the link on my uh, Facebook wall about the video to watch if you can't find it with Craig Bong, B-O-N-G. Janie Duvall's channel. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you want to support this work that we're doing, I will tell you, uh, it puts fuel in the machine that we can keep doing this. Uh, We can do it as long as we have help to do it, and God is with us. He's told me to keep going, so uh, we show up every day, and uh, we're going to keep this program running as long as we can. You can go to OmegaManRadio.com. If you'd like to help, uh, I want to thank those that have. You can also help by sharing the program with somebody. Thank you for your prayers. And uh, with that, if you want to contact me or find out any of uh, any ways, find out about the ways to tune in the program or to download it, it's all free. Go to OmegaManRadio.com. Okay, that's going to be it for today. God bless you. And uh, I'll get these programs up here in just a bit. And then um, we'll be uh, caught up. Now, I just loaded today over a dozen uh, Michael Cummins broadcasts. I've got them all uploaded now. And I'm going to leave them up there on the top for a few days just so they get visibility. And then I'll resort them. I've also got to add some titles. But uh, be sure and check them out. Love you all. God bless you.